thank you for listening to the weekly message at First Baptist Church in Bushland, Texas. Couldn't help but think what an appropriate song that was before this message. Talk about the Magi today. Boy, what they must have felt like when they entered that place and saw the king. Mm. Brad, I want you to flash those uh, definitions up for us. We're continuing our series, Not a Fan. We've got to look at these two definitions, the definition of a fan, definition of a follower today. This is the fan, an enthusiastic admirer. We're going to see in just a little bit the poster child for the fan. Okay, we're going to see him. You always wonder what the fan looked like in the Bible. We're about to show you the epitome and the poster child of a fan in just a second. Look at the follower. If anyone would come come. After me, he must or she must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. We're going to see the poster child for the follower in Matthew 2 also. I want you to think about those two definitions, and I want you to let that just radiate in your mind as we look at the Magi, as we look at Matthew 2. You're going to see those two folks played out incredibly, okay? So I want you to go to Matthew 2, a beautiful text for the Christmas season. Folks, I'm going to tell you, all of us in here want to be magi. We want to be the wise men, okay? We want to be called magi. Let's look at their encounter in Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, During the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had called together the the people, chief priests and the teachers of the law, he asked them, Where is Christ to be born? In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied. For this, has, this was what the prophet had written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, by no means are least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who, who will be the shepherd of the people of Israel. When Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared, he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make careful search for this child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. Now, if you have your Bible in the margin, put big, fat, lie. Can y'all do that? You can write that in your Bible. Write big, fat, lie. Okay? Because that's exactly what that is. That, that verse is big, fat, lie. King Herod is lying right there. Lying. Okay? Look at verse 9. After they heard the king, they went on their way. And the star that they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. And on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. And then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts and gold and incense and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to the country by another route. Now, I want you to see here in this text that King Herod 
is absolutely the epitome of a fan. Now, I want you to see the setting here. Understand something. At this point, now we don't know the exact age, but we know that Jesus was at least two years old at this point. Okay? Now, they didn't come in and see him in his swallowing clothing. That's not how he looked at this point. Okay? He was in his terrible twos. Okay? All right? We know that the Magi uh, were astrologers. That's why they understood the star. That's why they didn't have any problem figuring out what that star meant. They knew the word. They knew what that star meant. And when they heard that, they left and started coming to see the king. Okay? Now, understand something. Nobody in this building has a, a mantle big enough for all the magi. Okay? Y'all, I'm just telling you, y'all be putting up, y'all be building mantles to put all the magi. There's a lot of magi that are coming, okay? And they're walking. They walk the whole way. Now, we get three in our nativity scenes because they brought how many gifts? Three, okay? Now, were there more gifts? Probably so. Were there more than three? Definitely, okay? But there's a lot of them, okay? And they come. Now, I don't want you to I don't want that to ruin your Christmas. Why, man, my nativity scene is not even scriptural. I don't want you to get rid of your nativity scene. God's a big enough God to handle just three magi on your mantle, okay? It might give you a chance to kind of preach that text there. You can, you can tell the story. But, but there's a bunch of them. These cats, man, they don't, they don't turn into points of Southwest Airlines and fly to see Jesus. They don't get in a nice car in their lattes, their pumpkin spice lattes, and with little cinnamon sprinkles, turn on their heater and their Jesus music, and cruise in a BMW to see Jesus. All right? They don't do any of that. They walk for two years. Walk. I'm sorry. That's not a fan. Amen? That's not a fan, dude. I mean, that's just not a fan. I mean, the churches today, I'm going to tell you right now, on this day, in the city of Amarillo, Canyon Bush, and all around the 16 counties of the Panhandle, there have already been people, couples, families, that have left worship because they didn't sing enough Christmas songs. I, I guarantee you. Now, it didn't happen in here, but there are people every Sunday that leave church because they didn't sing their favorite song. I'm telling you. Ask them if they're a follower of Christ, and everyone I'm looking at say, you bet I am. Really? We don't sing your song and you leave church, but you think you're a follower. The Magi walked for two years to see the king. And we can't even handle just a little bump in our arranged worship schedule. You see, the Magi understood something that's very important in the church today. It's not about me. It's not. The Magi could have any time in those two years turned around. I'm sure they just didn't get 70 and sunny with no winds every day. Two years? You walk in the panhandle for two years, and there won't be much left of you. You'll be sandblasted. You'll be frozen to death. You'll be dying of dehydration and, and a drought. I mean, there's a lot of things that will happen to you in two years walking in the panhandle, okay? But these cats walk for two years, and when they get to the house, it ain't nothing about anybody else but going to see the king. They didn't sit down and eat stew. 
They didn't get warm by the fire. They didn't tell everybody what they had just done and how great they are and what their spirituality trumped their, 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 the other people's spirituality. They just came in, focused, and finished it. They sat down and bowed down right there at the king and worshiped. Man, they are the epitome of a follower. I want you to see the fan here. Bless his heart. King Herod. <laughs> Woo! Mm. He just lies the whole time. I mean, he, 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 he goes to get the Magi to tell him what just took place and where the story is. Come back and tell me, because as soon as you come back and tell me, boy, I'm going to load up my family. We're going to put our best Sunday clothes on, and we're going to go worship the king. That's a lie. Can I just help you with what he was about to do? He's going to kill him. I know that just messed up Christmas. He's going to kill him. He was absolutely going to kill him. He said, well, how do you know he's going to kill him? Because if you keep on reading in here, just a little bit after this, he says that all the male babies, two and under, he wanted them killed. He was trying to make sure he got Jesus. That's what he was going to do. You see, Jesus was a problem for King Herod because he's a fan. So you've got to eliminate him because he made him uncomfortable. See, that's what we do in church sometimes. The presence of the Lord makes us a little uncomfortable. So what we do, we never get there. It's, it just never get there. Some of you kid with me all the time. You say, man, are you going to start handing out an ice packs every Sunday? Because he's stepping all over my toes. And I said, oh, I'm sorry. No, 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 it feels good. Keep doing it. All right? So, but the presence is that. I want you to listen to this. This is out of the book that we're, we're in this series. This is out of the book. And I want you to listen to this statement. And I want you to hear, th this is so King Herod, I'm just telling you. It said, the biggest threat <laughs> to the church today is fans who call themselves Christians but aren't, but aren't actually interested in following Christ. They want to be close enough to Jesus to get the benefits, but not too close that it requires anything from them. Boy, is that, is that not King Herod? Jesus born two, over two years ago, and he didn't care to get close at all. All of a sudden, the Magi want to go see the king, and all of a sudden, he's just interested. See, King Herod, he wanted to get close enough to Jesus for the fringe benefits, but he had no desires when it costed him anything. Nothing. I want you to turn real quickly to Isaiah. Look at Isaiah's gospel. And remember Isaiah, boy, the, the prophet, I mean, you see Isaiah's prophetic word all through the Christmas story. But I want you to look at Isaiah 29, look at verse 13. Here's some of those fans again. Here's King Herod again. Isaiah 29, 13, the Lord says... These people, he could say these fans, come near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship of me is made up only of rules taught by men. Wow. Herod 
Herod had dictated how he was going to worship him based on rules by men. He wanted to look good in front of men, but he, didn't, he, he, he wasn't interested in being a follower. Pick up your cross daily and follow me? I don't think so. That was not in King Herod's vocabulary. That wasn't going to happen. He was about to eliminate the problem of Jesus. But the Magi, who we call wise men, came for over two years on foot to see the king. My friends, it is very interested in this text right here. It says the biggest threat to the church. King Herod was a threat. Most fans are. Most fans are. Now, they would never introduce themselves, hi, I'm a fan of Jesus, I'm, a, I'm his biggest threat. No, that'd be crazy. But when Jesus looks at your life, he sees you as a threat. He does. Today, simple question. Are you a threat to him? Are you a blessing to him? Now, I know it's not a real nice Christmas story here. But I think the church has got to ask itself, are we a threat to Jesus? Are we a blessing to Jesus? King Herod tried to come across with words from his lips like he was a follower, like he was a blessing. He was going to go worshiping. Oh, boys, y'all got to come back here and tell me where you find him because, man, I got to get there quick. I got to worship him. And they were warned in a dream, don't you go back to him. Don't you go back to him. I want you to see what they do when they get there. They come in to the house. And understand at this time, the doors of those houses, they're pretty low. When you come in, you've got to kind of bend to come in. I almost think we ought to build churches that way. Have a four-foot entrance to the church. Wouldn't that be cool? Some of y'all are like, no, it wouldn't be cool. Once I bend over, I'm stuck. I can't even get straight back up. We get all puffed up in this world, and we enter the king all puffed up. What can I do for you, Jesus? He said, well, the first thing you can do before you cross my threshold into my house, once you bow down that haughty attitude and come in. Amen? Trust me, man, America a little puffed up, don't you think? And we enter the kingdom this way. We, we, we enter his presence this way pretty puffed up. Sometimes I think it would be good to have four-foot doors at the entrance of the churches with to bow down to come in. So they, they come into the house, and they don't just bow to get in. But when they come in and they see the king, they bow down. They bow down. And somebody said one time, if I walked two miles, for, if I walked two years, I'd bow too. I'd fall prostrate when I finally got there. Now, I'm sure they were tired, but that's not why they fell down, okay? They fell down because they were in the presence of the king. They bow down, and what did they do? They start worshiping. They just start worshiping. Now, these cats, the Church of Christ, they ain't no musical instrument in there. They just start worshiping. All right? There's none. They just start worshiping. There, there, there's nobody leading them. 
that just in the presence of the king, they just bust out in a song. Have you ever been in such an absolute awe of his presence that you just start singing and worshiping and making up words that don't even go together and blending four songs to all these other songs together, and you're just having an absolute hallelujah party for the king, and ain't nobody around. Nobody. You ever been there? Boy, I have. Trust me, I'm glad nobody was there, too, because I can't sing a lick. But I can worship. And there have been many times, man, that I just get lost in that. And my wife will tell you, I just start making up words. That doesn't even fit the song. And she'll whisper, That's, that word's not in that song. They're in my song. So, I mean, just start worshiping. That's what they did. They just became a choir of praise. Can I tell you what they became? You in heaven one day. That's what they became. You're just absolutely getting a sneak peek at heaven. We're going to stand in the presence of the king from all tribe and all country, and all of a sudden we're just going to become this huge heavenly choir. And I don't know that we're not all going to be singing the same song, my friend. We're just going to be singing, boy. And that's what it's going to sound like. I'm going to tell you this, folks. This Christmas, give yourself the greatest gift you can give yourself. Get in the presence of the king and have a heavenly moment and just start singing. Just start singing, man. And, I, and he doesn't care, and I don't either. If you take nine songs and blend them all together, I'm not telling Paxton, all right? You just start having a hallelujah moment, man, and just start singing. And let me tell you what happens. As soon as you start doing that, here's what happens. The cares of the world just start falling. Just falling, man. They bust like ornaments off a tree. We were decorating the other day, and an ornament fell and just shattered. That's what it reminded me of. The cares of the world and the presence of the king just fall and bust. Fall and bust. Fall and bust. And why do they bust? Because he's like, they don't matter. That doesn't matter. You're entertaining things that don't matter. Just, 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 just stand before me and worship. Just stand before me and worship. That's what they do. They just bust out in worship. And out of worship, look what happens. Out of worship, they do what? They open up their treasures. You're sitting here today and you say, I've gone after that. After I worship, I'm done because I don't have any treasures. Oh, yeah, you do. Folks, I'm going to tell you something. Don't think about your checkbook. But look at your life. And just tell yourself, maybe for the first time ever, I am rich. I am rich. I am rich. Folks, we're rich. We are rich, man. And we're doubly rich when we're in the presence of the king. We've got a lot, man. We've been blessed. And they open up their treasures, and they start presenting their gifts to Jesus. They just start presenting. I want to share some things with you. Next weekend, next Sunday morning, um, we're going to do the manger offering. The manger offering, we did it for the first time last year. It's a special offering. We take a manger, and we set it right here. It's got a little hay and stuff in it. And the little kids are come by, then children's church, and then the youth, and then of all of us as adults. Hopefully, you've gotten in the mail uh, these uh, envelopes. It's got the manger offering written in it. It's on red. If you did not get a letter in the mail for some reason or whatever, there are tons of those envelopes at each door. And then over here, if you've got little ones. But, but next Sunday... 
we're going to do the manger offering. Okay, and this is not a money talk. Don't check out on me all of a sudden. I want you to stay focused. The manger offering, basically we do the manger offering because we want to be magi. We want to be followers. We, we want to follow the magi. Last year, we were fortunate enough as a church to make budget in September. And so that means we spent from whenever the date was in September on the end of the year, basically in gravy. We already made budget, and we were just over and above. And so God really impressed on me that on that specific Sunday for manger offering, we take all tithes, all offering, everything that comes in that specific Sunday, and it goes all to debt. As you know, we built this building and moved into it Super Bowl Sunday of 11. So we were almost three years old in this building, okay? And I know what you're thinking. Preacher, you should have built it bigger, okay? But we were almost in this building three years, okay? Now, I want you to understand what, what has happened since then. When we built the building, we financed uh, $550,000 on this building right here. At the same time, we still had, at that point, about 60000 on that children's building that sits behind us. At that point, we had some land behind me, but we didn't have this land over here. So as we're doing all this worship in here and we're just doing church and having a great time, we, out of the, out of the bountiful blessings that, that you have bestowed on us as a church because you're giving, we started purchasing land. We bought the first section to the north of us for 40000 and then we bought the second section behind that for 25000 And we just paid cash for both of those pieces of land and wrote it right out of the checkbook. And so that year, last year, we did the manger offering. We did all that land and still made budget in September, okay? And out of that, we decided to take that Sunday, and everything that came that Sunday went to debt, okay? So we, we received uh, last year $100,000 at the manger offering, okay? And the finance committee, along with myself, decided that we would take 54000 out of the checking account because we were doing so great, and we would pay $54,000 off on that debt right there. We burned that note last year. That building's paid for. And we stuck this 100000 on the debt. And I can tell you today, uh, after we stuck that 100000 on there, what we've done as a church family is the, the payment on this building is about $4,300 a month. And last year in the budget, uh, we put an extra 3000 to principal every month. Okay? So we've done that for a whole year. We put an, is it just one year we've done that, Lori? One year we stuck an extra 3000 every month on principal, okay? So basically, if you took the $4,300 monthly payment and stick another 3000 with it every month, we pay about $72,000 to principal every year, okay? Now, we've decided as a church, and you're going to see this in a little bit when you get the budgets for next year, we're going to do the same thing again. We're going to do the $4,300 payment. We're not, we're, not, we're not deciding to do that. The bank makes us do that. Okay, so $4,300 payment, and we are going to stick another 3000 with that every month on principal. Okay, so right now at the end of the year, our debt on this building, which started at five fifty in 2011, is $303,308. Okay, so just a little over $300,000. You can pretty much call that $300,000. Now, if we... As a church body, when we take our manger offering, let's just say, let's just take comparisons from last year, okay? If we do another 100000 for manger offering, and we 
as a finance committee, and we can do this, take another 50 if we choose to out of checking or savings or whatever, and we tag that with the manger offering, we would take this 300000 and cut it in half. Have $150,000 at the end of this year left in debt at this church. So next year in 2014, we're rocking along making monthly payment of $4,300, and we put 3000 every time with it, and we pay $72,000 in those 12 months which would mean next year when I stand before you as your pastor, we will be about $75,000 short of being debt-free. That'd be pretty cool. And we take a manger off, and let's just say we get seventy-five, dollars it doesn't matter. And then we write that check, and in 2014, in that short, just four years, we would have paid all of this building off, 54000 of a children's building, Bought two tracts of land, one for 40 and one for 25, and we have no debt. I'm going to tell you right now, that is being magi. That is sweet, man. All right? Yeah, you ought to give yourself a hand and give the king a hand. That would be absolutely incredible to do. And I'm going to tell you something. That is easily doable. That's not hard to do. And I hate debt. I do. And I think it holds up the church a lot of times. And we'll be debt-free in 14. Would that be cool to be debt-free in a year from now? That'd be absolutely incredible, okay? Now, that doesn't mean, don't get scared, that doesn't mean necessarily as soon as we get debt-free, preacher going to move some dirt and build another building, put us right back in debt. I'm not saying that, but I'm telling you what we're going to do. In this budget, we put $25,000 in there this year for vision. What that does is that lets me and leadership have the opportunity to sit down with architects and building companies and say, here's what we need, what's it going to cost, draw it up, put it on a plan, and let's look at it. Now, you said, don't get nervous, all right? Just because you draw it up and put it on paper doesn't mean you move dirt. We move dirt when the king says, move dirt. I got a lot of people I want to stick in your building. I got a lot of people that need to hear the gospel. I got a lot of families that need to be a part of the kingdom of God. And you're the place. And I'm doing it here. Folks, I'm going to tell you something. If you don't understand the favor of the Lord, look around. This place for five and a half years has been basking in the favor of the Lord. All right? What we want to do in 14 is your pastor. I'm leading you in 14 to make debt go away to get us out in vision with plans and all this stuff for the future because we own the land. We don't have to worry about that, okay? And when God says, First Baptist Church, go, dude, there's nothing holding us up. We simply say, yes, sir. Yes, sir, King, we're gone. And I'm going to tell you, when he says go and we go, this is what he does. This is what he does. He does absolutely supernatural, far and beyond what we could ever think or imagine. I'm going to tell you, as good as it is here, folks, we haven't scratched the surface. There's a lot of people that need Jesus. There's a lot of families that need this place. And I'm going to tell you, I I truly believe that as good as it's been, it's going to get gooder, okay? It really is. And so on, on, on on the 15th, next Sunday, I want you to partner with me. Everything that comes in that Sunday... We don't, we're, we're sacrificing weekly requirement. We've made budget in October this year, okay? We raised the budget 150000 over last year and, and made budget in October. Uh, can I just tell you something? There's a lot of churches 
that'll see the end of December this year and still not make budget. You're rich, man. We're blessed here, okay? We're blessed because you guys are awesome people, and we serve an awesome God. So partner with me on that Sunday, next Sunday. You, you have a week. I want you to spend time with your children. I want you to spend time as a couple and say, what does God want us to do next Sunday? And everything that comes in, everything, tithes, offering, everything, comes to that manger, goes to debt. And so we'll make 303, 308 shrink. We'll make it disappear, okay? I don't know we'll make it disappear. But <laughs> I'm not saying that. That's a lot. But we're going to make it shrink, my friends. And I, I really think we can, in 14, bury the debt at First Baptist Church. And I'm going to tell you, that would be an incredible, incredible statement not for us, but for the king, okay? I want you to look at your text again, and I'll wrap this up. The poster child of a fan is whom? It's King Herod, boy, King Herod. But the poster child of a follower is the Magi. Two years, they walk, and I want you to see in 11 what they do. On coming to the house, they saw, mm, with their eyes, boy, they saw this child with his mother, Mary. And they bowed down, and they worshiped him, and they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and incense and myrrh. Here's what I want you to understand. We, we get to be magi. I pray today that we are not seen as fans, a threat to the kingdom, but we're seen as magi, a blessing to the kingdom. The manger offering next Sunday is a chance for us as families to come together as a church family and to all be magi, wise men and women who know where it comes from, and are thrilled to give it back to him, okay? This morning, I want you to ask yourself this simple question. If Jesus were looking at my life, would he see me this morning as a fan, as a threat because of the way I live my life? Or would he see me as magi? a follower, a blessing to him. And pray with me. Father, this morning, I just love this text, Father. I love it because it's so, so, so simple. It's such a beautiful picture of the fan and the follower. Herod is all about him. The Magi, is, they're none. None of this is about them. None of it. And if it was about them, after two years of walking, it wouldn't be about them anymore. God, I pray that you will let us put a mirror in front of us and look at ourselves the way you look at us. The way you saw the Magi when they walked in that day. Do our feet, do our words of our mouth echo our heart when we say we're followers? 
do you see us as just casual admirers? Just, just enthusiastic little admirers caught up in this Jesus thing. God, today break our heart to be more like Magi and less like King Herod. Father, I thank you for this church. God, I pray for anyone at the sound of my voice this morning who doesn't want to spend another Christmas season wondering if they know baby Jesus. If they know the one who grew up to be the king, who bore their sins on a cross called Calvary, who rose again to give them eternal life. They don't want to spend another restless Christmas season missing you that they would give up the fight, quit living that miserable life and emptiness in their heart and come this morning and give their life to you. God, I pray for any family here today that's been looking for the greatest thing outside of Jesus, and that is a church home, a place that they can call home, a safe, beautiful, warm church to call home where the presence of the Lord is very evident every time they walk into this. God, I pray you lead them this morning during this Christmas season to join here. God, for some of us today, we we saw ourselves maybe as the Magi when we walked in, but as we got into your word, we saw ourselves a little more like, a, like King Herod. And it broke our heart. It made us uncomfortable. It scared us. God, maybe today you're leading us to come to this altar and just bow down as the Magi did and confess that and become a follower of you. So, Father, this morning, this invitation is not from me, not worthy of an invitation. I have nothing to give. But you, Father, this is your invitation. You want to give great gifts to your kids, but you just want us to come first. And so, God, I pray you lead us this morning to come. Don't worry about anybody around us. Just come. Just as the Magi did. Come. Father, we love you. Be honored. Be exalted during this time of invitation. In Jesus' name, amen.